Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week we have a Christmas episode for you guys and to start it off, Cooper's got a little treat for us. It's a quick song. You might know it. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out for another episode of All You Weekly. Hey guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Before we get into the episode, let's talk about our sponsor, Willesca Candle Co. If you're still looking for a gift, I doubt it'll get in time, but you can order it for a belated Christmas gift. Willesca Candle Co. Links in bio. They make great candles. Search their different collections. And remember, with every purchase, 20% of the proceeds go to sending an athlete to FCA Collegiate Camp this summer. So remember that. So here we are. It's Christmas time. Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope that you are going to have a wonderful holiday. We hope that as you're listening to this, you're snuggled up to the fire under your Christmas tree and you're sitting there maybe with your dog, not with your cat. We don't like cats. We have no, I have no issues. I have, I have issues with cats. My dad has two cats, but they act like dogs. Okay, so you don't actually have an issue with cats. So, what's your favorite Christmas movie, Mary? I There's one right answer. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, your favorite Christmas movie can only be one. Oh, I I think I'm going to disappoint you. But I I don't know if I have like there are several that feel necessary to watch during Christmas time to me. I mean, yeah, there's several that are necessary. But what's your favorite? I don't, I don't know. That's, that's, that's crazy. No, it is crazy. I, I if mean, I said tonight me... we're watching as an FCA staff, a Christmas movie and Mary, you get to choose it. What are you choosing? I'm probably going to choose, ah, uh, either the Grinch or the Elf. Grinch or the Elf. So those are the two you're dealing with. Yes. Those are the two. Those are two good ones. But also Christmas shoes. Sir, I want to buy these <laughs> shoes. If you want to have your heart ripped out, go yeah. watch Christmas Shoes. And uh, if you didn't know, the guy who wrote Christmas Shoes is local to the Canton area. Yeah, he 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 wrote that song, and it honestly still hits. Like there is, there are many things that will probably make me cry, but there's nothing that makes no. me cry like Christmas shoes. Cr- like Christmas, like nothing like if I is turned like that gut on right wrenching. now, you would start crying. Oh, absolutely. That's, Let so me tell that's you your this. Favorite so movie. our associates, um, Sam Grayson and Brooke Rambler, they, we all went to get coffee one day and then we, we took a little trip to Goodwill and we were just having a good time and we were talking about favorite Christmas songs and me and Sam Grayson were like Christmas shoes and just like raving about it. And we have Matt and Brooke in the car and they're like, what? We've never heard of this. So we play it for them. I immediately start crying, crying in the car <laughs> with our students because it honestly like, just okay? hits. It hits so hard. And then the movie is even like more gut wrenching to watch. They just like, yeah, it's, play on your emotions the entire time. But it's like beautiful. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. like I do love it. So that's your favorite. That's I what you're going to end no, on. It's not my favorite. So you're but legit telling me your top three is Christmas shoes, Elf and Grinch. Yeah. Which Grinch? Uh, the original version, the Jim Carrey version, the Jim or Carrey the new version. one? So <laughs> what's funny about that, the Jim Carrey version, the uh, the widow of Dr. Seuss would only allow four people to play the Grinch. Do you, knew, do you know who the other three are? Take a guess. Steve Carell. No, that'd be, that'd be funny. I know, that felt like a really good guess. Jack Nicholson. Okay. You, you know who that is, right? 
Sure. That's crazy. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. You probably don't know who y- Dustin you're Hoffman gonna, is. Yeah, I'm not going to know And then the final names. one, this is who I would have chose. Robin Williams. Oh, of Robin course. Robin Williams would be hilarious. Of course. All right, so that's your favorite Christmas movies. You don't have one. That's crazy. What Mine, is yours? Christmas Story. What is that? You've never seen a Christmas Story? I'm about to shut the podcast off right now. You notice it, it's it's on repeat 24 hours on Christmas Day on TBS, and I'm pretty sure on ABC as well. A Christmas Story. You'll shoot your eye out. The leg lamp. Oh yeah, I don't really know that. I it's know fragile. what you're talking about. It's fragile. The- no, I don't. Today we don't have Sam Grayson to monitor our conversation so it could and kind of help crazy. us keep us on track. Um, so what's your f- what's your least what's your least favorite Christmas song? I don't really have one. I don't think I have one. I know a lot of people have beef with "Baby It's Cold Outside." Yeah, my wife has beef. I don't have beef. But I don't have <laughs> like if I'm being honest. Like me, I kind of like enjoy and, that song. Me and Rachel have beef because of that song. Yeah, it, <laughs> and our interpretations I, is pretty funny. I can understand why people wouldn't like it. We listen and I to can, the 2020 version. If you're coming version. from that perspective, of course, it's probably a horrible song. But I do, I mean... It's a sympathetic interpretation. And so we just play the one that it's very self-respecting. And it's it's a good medium. Here's here's one that everybody hates. The twenty There was a government census in 2020 about the least favorite Christmas song. Do you want to guess what it was? I will have no clue. Santa Baby. Oh, I love that song. I'm, I don't mind it. I actually like love that song. Santa baby. Anyway, we're going to do a quiz now. We're going to do a Christmas quiz and we're going to see how many that Mary can get right. Number one, what is the first song that was sung in space? First Christmas song that was sung in space. Oh, wait. I actually have heard this before. Um, was it? It wasn't Noel, was it? No. Uh, Three, Silent Night. Two, no, it's Jingle Bells. Oh. Yes, because we had that as Which is one of funny our... because Jingle Bells was actually written as a Thanksgiving song. Yeah, that we had trivia at FCA Christmas party. And now, that was one of the Mary questions. cheated on this next question. What's the biggest Christmas gift ever? <laughs> so she's, she's not a genius. She just cheated. Um, no, I didn't see it. But I would say that it's the, the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty was given <laughs> um, by... In specifically 18... 18- 65? Yeah, it was gifted. The French gifted it to um, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, right. I knew that. According to Hallmark, approximately how many Christmas cards are sent every year? What would oh, you say? Oh, gosh. Probably like 100,000. 100,000. Was that right? You're so close. 1.3 billion. Oh, my gosh. Well, I did just go buy two Hallmark 000. cards. Literally like yesterday. So that makes sense. Which song topped the Billboard's list of the 100 greatest holiday songs of all time? Come on. As soon as you hear it in like the Macy's store, you know it's Christmas time. Is it by Nat King Cole? It's not by Nat King Cole. It's by a woman. It, oh, All I Want for Christmas is You, is you by, by Mariah, Mariah Carey. Carey yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I Mariah want Carey. for Christmas. Of course. But like the Justin Bieber featured version? No, even better. No. Even better. Um... Mary, did you know by CeeLo Green? Go pop that on after this episode, please. <laughs> the CeeLo version. How many real, real Christmas trees are sold in the U.S. every year? More, it's more than 100,000. Well, I was going to say 500,000. 500,000. Was that, is that right? 25 to 30 million. What? There's no way. I, I'm just telling you. I'm a fake tree girly. 25, so are we. It's just a lot easier. It's so much easier. It's, it's less expensive. 
So in Home Alone, by the way, we watched that. My daughter thinks it's the funniest movie ever when the crooks start getting beat up. <laughs> How much did Macaulay Culkin make the first movie, you think? Uh... I don't know, like sixty five thousand. Two hundred and fifty thousand. Dang. Now, how much did he make the second movie? Well, that makes the sequel. That makes anything more. So maybe five hundred thousand. Four point five million. What the The, little kid? The little kid. The little kid. All right. So here's some biblical questions for you. True or false? Kept it easy. True or false, Mary? Putting you on the spot. Oh gosh. The story of the little drummer boy is found in the book of Mark. False. False. What book of the Bible is it found in? Luke. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> I did not think it was, but I was like, Luke is <laughs> another book of the Bible that has <laughs> Jesus' birth. Uh, so I went for it. It is a good song. Great song. All right. Joseph is the father of Jesus. And what do you mean by that? I, that's just a question. True or false? I don't, I don't know in what context you mean, like as in his <laughs> earthly <laughs> So Jesus was born of Mary, who was a virgin right. when she birthed Jesus. So he did not come from man's seed. That's why he was not born into sin like all of us were. So Oh, you want to talk about original sin and how it just <laughs> yeah. passed down from generation so, to generation? Um, it's false. I would say it's false, but, but it's also if you're true. thinking, yeah, I was about to say, if you're thinking in terms of like who his like earthly father would have been, yeah, just like who's like, he going to call fa- dad? Yes, it's yeah. going to be Joseph. But ultimately, we know right. that Joseph is not his biological father. True or false? The three wise men were present at the birth of Jesus. The three false. wise men were present at the birth of Jesus. False. False? Yeah. That's true. No, like. You're right. It is false. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah they came false. a little bit after. Right. And was it only three? Do you think it was only three? It was probably a good bit, like 50 to whatever. Really? Yeah. I figured say. it was more than three, but I wouldn't expect it to be that big. Yeah. Bethlehem is known as the city of Abraham. True or false? Of Abraham? Right. True or false? False. False. What's it known as? <laughs> <laughs> the city of I don't know David. Oh, Bethlehem's the city of David. Okay. Beth- the more you know. Bethlehem. Well, that's, that's how cool. you say it in Hebrew. That's what I was told. I took Hebrew in uh, seminary, so so I have a little bit of authority everything. on that. All right, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Christmas. So were all of these faults? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Every single one of them was false. All right, all right, all right. Um, quick little. Two, two fun facts. All right, two facts. Here is fact number one. I guess I'll ask it as a question. What year were candy canes invented? 1947. 1670. <laughs> you are way off. So far Do you off. know why they were created? To... Um, it's not to display the innocence and in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've never thought that. Is that what you thought a candy cane was for? No, that's what I was taught in Sunday school growing up. What? Yeah, they give it to you in Sunday school. They say the red is the blood of Christ and the white is the innocence of Christ. What? I don't know. Use it. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. But I've never heard that. It was created by a German choir master to keep kids quiet during church. Nice. Yeah. Do what works. (laughs) Do you do you eat fruitcake? No. You're not a fruitcake. Do you do you originally know why it was created? 
I actually have heard this story, and I I don't remember why. Oh, I don't know the story behind it. I just know that it's created to last all year round, so you can eat it for the whole year. Ew. That's why it's so gross, because it's meant to just be stale the whole year. Oh, that's so tough. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. All right, I want to go into a new section of talking about Christmas, going away from trivia and the holiday season of it, and just talk a little bit about Christmas as a whole. And I think Christmas and our modern society, tell me if I'm right on this, it seems like it comes with a lot of pressure. I don't know, anticipation. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you're trying almost a lot of times to relive what you experienced as a child. Yeah. A lot of nostalgia. And I think a lot of us can get to the end of the Christmas season. December 26th, you wake up, you look around you, you're like, that, that was it? And it might have been really, really good, right? You might have had a lot of family around, got an awesome present, but that's it. And for a lot of people, that can be it, especially if they don't have Jesus inside their heart. And if they're not worshiping him as God, that's it. It's just a holiday where you exchange gifts and then we're done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of us struggle with that. Just like that anticipation, it comes, it comes, it comes, and then it's just this boom. And then it's just a drop back to the normal regular two days you got to go back to work in a couple weeks the students have to come back to class you leave home and I just feel like that's a little difficult especially when we put so much pressure when we start celebrating in mid-October all to point towards December 25th Mm -hmm. for it to be over the next day right does that make sense yeah no it makes sense I think you're right there is such a nostalgic piece to Christmas that each of us hold very dear to our heart whether you grew up in a loving home or not, I think every person would say they have something fond mm. to them, something that they remember fondly about Christmas in growing up in their home, um, a part of their childhood that they would love to be able to recreate as an adult. And I think for some of us, like me, that's really hard. Like, I love thinking back in certain seasons of my life of like how good it was or what I loved and what I remember. And it's funny. My husband is the complete opposite. Like Riley does not. He's, I always, am like, do you miss this? Like, do you, do you miss like this part of life and like all this stuff? And he's like, nope. Yeah. Like, and he doesn't. And, and it's hard for me to understand that because I'm such a sentimentalist. I, I care so much about. Yeah making memories i'm a big i love tradition getting that feeling back again right what it was yes and for riley he's like nope i'm all good like i like the season i'm in and so he's never yeah it's funny because i can't imagine me ever feeling Feeling that that way way. but he he's so like yep this is just how it is and i it was a good part of my life but i don't miss it i'm not like longing to be back there and i'm like wow that's such a good like it's something i hope to have one day in, in some ways, in some ways of, you know, something I think back a lot on is my college days. I loved being in college. Mm-hmm. I loved my college experience. And there's a lot of times where I'm like, man, I wish I could be back there. I wish I could be with my Christian community. I wish I could do all of these things. And in some ways, it's like be content with where the Lord has you. Yeah. And, and not wanting, to, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with loving that season of your life and and cherishing those moments. But if you're constantly like, Oh, I just want to be back there. You're not, 
um, completely present and content in the season that God has you in. So I can see that for me in a lot of seasons of my life, but especially Christmas. I love, I love Christmas time. I, I love all the memories I have from yeah. Christmas with my family growing, growing up. up. Yeah. And it's funny how different it is too, like with being married and I'm sure for you, it's different with having your own kid now. Starting like, your own tradition. Right. Yeah. And so even just the expectation from family during Christmas time and, you know, it was so much easier when we were kids. Well, I think that's part of this, the nostalgic factor. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay. Appreciate the season you're in, but there's a longing of what we had. Right. Like I look back and I'm like, there's some family members that I will never get to spend Christmas mm-hmm. with again for the rest of my life because right. they passed away. Mm-hmm. There's going to be moments that I never get again because I'm not seven anymore. Right. And a part of me longs for that. Like, Ooh, no responsibility. Yeah. Just show up, <laughs> eat, get gifts, sign me up. But then I also understand that I've graduated. God has called me to that next mm-hmm. phase of life where now I am crafting what's special for my daughter. Right. Who then in the same way, what I've taken from my childhood and started to perform and make it my own for my family, the same way she'll do that. And what I find yeah. special is what I try to make special and what she'll make special. And so there's a either or. And I think if you take it to its theological context, we long for those great experiences to be mm. around family. And I think it points us to a longing of something far greater, perfect yeah. Christian community in eternity, just in a small space. And I think what a lot of people get as they're, they're missing. So they get this big rush, this big feeling at Christmas time is because they become a, a pseudo, they come, they're CEO, they're, they're Christmas and Easter only Christians, mm-hmm. right? They're Cheester Christmas. Christians. And what happens is they get this pull and this tug from their soul and they become spiritual for a season. Mm -hmm. They become spiritual for the birth of Christ and they'll bring the nativity out. But after Christmas, what's happened? They put the nativity away Mm -hmm. and they go back to their normal life. And so a lot of people, when they go up on that, that mountaintop, then it's that deep drop off. It's because they are removing something from their life that is supposed to be there year round. And that's the presence of God. And during Christmas, we have the unique opportunity to invite anybody in. Christmas is the easiest time to talk about Jesus to literally any human because everybody is recognizing the birth of Jesus Christ. Right. And you get to invite them to Christmas Eve services. That's just a tradition for Christians and and non-Christians alike is to go to a Christmas Eve service. You get to invite people to church on the Sunday after Christmas. You can bring them into your family's tradition of reading the Christmas narrative and the Christmas story. There's so much you can do, but people are so interested during the season to talk about Jesus. Yeah. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't want to exclude. Now for us, this is true. I don't want to exclude the people who have memories that aren't good. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a there's a whole lot of people out there who they're like Christmas man like sucks. I don't need that. Right. They have I have bad memories. Bad memories. I have friends who's they'll have a a family member that passed away Mm -hmm. on Christmas. And for them, they may never want to celebrate that day again. Or for them, when they think about it, it's really hard. It's not that going down and getting presents and eating turkey and ham and food and just lounging around with family. It's a really difficult season to get through. For other people, they have no family to celebrate it with. Mm -hmm. I think about our international students. They're far away from home during this Christmas season. It may not be a joyous occasion for them the way it has been in the past. And so what we want to do is we just want to highlight a passage of scripture that we use often in the Christmas narrative, which talks about Jesus's coming in the future. It's an Old Testament passage that the, that the prophet Isaiah is telling about the forthcoming Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
And this is what we're calling hope in Christmas for the weary. And so Isaiah 9, verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So we just want to take a moment and we want to highlight those four names that Isaiah gave that Isaiah ascribed to the coming Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And before we do that, I want to highlight also what Isaiah would say in the next chapter, chapter 10. He would say that the shoot of the Messiah would come from the stump of Jesse, meaning that the Messiah is going to come from the bloodline of Jesse. But what he is imaging there is something alive is coming from something dead. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of our God, that he brought forth the Messiah from something that was dead, a sinful people, a sinful people group, a sinful bloodline, and yet he made it alive again. In the same way, a lot of our lives, God can make what was dead alive, dead dreams alive again, dead opportunities alive again, dead passions alive again. And just as the ultimate miracle, the people in your life who don't know Jesus, Although they are spiritually dead, he can make them alive. So the first name we want to talk about is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. I like that he starts off with that because if you are weary this season, you need somebody to talk to. Mm. Nobody better to talk to than Jesus. Yeah. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your story. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain. He knows your narrative. He knows your thoughts. And he is a good counselor. He cares for you. He cares for your soul. John 10 calls him the good shepherd. He will shepherd your soul accordingly. And so what we are so prone to do is to bottle everything up, not tell anybody, and even try and keep it hidden from God, where all that God wants you to do is to be honest and to be open so that he can begin to care for you. And if you would do that, if you'd enter into the presence of God in prayer, to sit under his word and to listen and to read, then he will care and shepherd for your soul. Mm. The second name is mighty God, the God who can do everything, the God who can do anything. And I feel like a lot of us, we keep God in our own box and we can't keep him in our box. We have to allow him to be who he is. For some of us, we grew up in tradition. For some of us, we grew up being told who God was and it may not be correct. We need to go to the scripture and learn who God really is. And then everlasting father, God will care for us. Jesus will care for us even when we are weary, even when we are tired. He continues to care as a good father does. I, I think of my daughter who is five years old. She gets tired. When she's tired, she's cranky. When she doesn't eat, she's hangry. Mm -hmm. Do I stop caring for her because she's not behaved in the perfect pattern? No, I care for her even in her weakness, perhaps much more so in her weakness. And I feel like a lot of us have the opportunity this holiday season to say, God, you're a good father, and I need you to care for me. And then finally, the Prince of Peace. The purpose of God sending Jesus to be incarnated as a human, to take on flesh and to live the life we could, is so that we could be at peace with God. Not only at peace with God, but at peace with others. And what Paul says in his letters is that God gives us a peace that surpasses understanding. And so even though you're coming into this holiday and weariness, maybe lonely. I don't know what you're carrying or what that burden looks like, but God can give you peace if you just bring it to him. Jesus says, take my burden, give me yours. Mine is light. Yeah. I love all of that. I think for some of us, we hear, we hear that, right? 
and we're like, that sounds good, but I don't know if I fully believe that. Like, yeah. who was this Isaiah guy to be writing yeah. this, right? So this was, Isaiah, I believe, was written 700 years before Christ came. Is that correct? About that. Around that time. So this was written hundreds of years before Christ came into the world. But let's take it even further back to Genesis 3. Okay. Where, where this is like the first real testament of the yeah. gospel of, of Jesus is coming. And so I want to read from Genesis three fifteen. It says, so Adam and Eve just ate of the fruit and, and God is cursing man. He's cursing the land. Um, he's cursing woman. And so there are things now in our world that have been marred by sin. Yeah. And so he's going through, um, you know, the woman's curse and the man's curse of how the land won't yield right. its fruit to him as easily and how the woman will have childbirthing pains and how, um, the livestock above all beasts of the field, it says on your belly, you shall go and dust. You shall eat all the days of your life to right. the serpent. So we're through all of that. And verse 15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise your, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so and this is God talking to the serpent. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, this is God speaking to the serpent. And and so this is a foreshadowing. This is a testament to the coming of Jesus. And the word Advent, we, we use that a lot during this Christmas time, right. right? So Advent in the Latin language means a coming to. Mm -hmm. And so this is um, speaking to the coming of Jesus. The, the Advent that we celebrate during yeah. this time is the coming of our Savior. And so what is being said right here is God is saying, to the serpent, there will come one that will crush your head. Yeah. You, and so you can see the imagery, right? Like you can see where, um, if you were to step on a ser serpent's head, let's just use the snake. Mm -hmm. It would obviously bring, um, destruction. Yeah. It kill it. Right. It would kill it. It would, it would have a fatal blow. And, and so, um, Jesus obviously had it had to cost something right like it wasn't you're not gonna like step on a serpent's head and it not bring some damage right. to you as well right so that is jesus going on the cross he ultimately defeats death right he ultimately crushes satan and but his life was not easy right and some people have even said it to the analogy of of him b bruising his heel as though walking through this life will be hard, that it would not have been easy for Jesus. And so thinking of the cost, him going to the cross and dying for us, we see that all the way in all the, the way back in Genesis in, in the third chapter of Genesis, we're being shown that Jesus is going to come and that he is going to defeat death. He is going to defeat Satan. So a lot of us are waiting for the second advent, right? The, the, second, the coming second coming of Jesus. And so, for those of you who may be wondering, like, is he really a wonderful counselor? Is he a, the mighty God? Is he everlasting father? Is he prince of peace? Like, if you're considering, do I believe these things? Like, in college, you're getting thrown a lot of stuff at you, a right? A lot. And it's easy to think, well, I, I, I can believe maybe that stuff when I'm out of college. Like, that, that probably isn't true for me right now and what I believe about Jesus. But... I want to tell you that in something Cooper says often that I really love is that there has been no day that I've ever regretted since walking with Jesus. And I think it's true of like believing in, in your savior. It, there will never be a day that you regret after choosing Jesus. 
um, and abiding in him and walking with him. And so I want to speak to those who may be doubting if he really is who he says he is and, and speak to that. It, this was written so long ago, thousands, Gen- of years ago. thousands in Genesis, the, the third chapter. And so if that can give you some relief, some encouragement and some in, in empower you well, in some way. And if you go back and you truly look at the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis wasn't written in real time. So nobody's right. Tr- right. like narrating as God's doing this. Yeah, Noah. The book of Genesis was written after the Moses, Exodus. I mean, it was sorry. written by Moses, <laughs> Moses. But it was written after the Exodus as an encouragement to the people. Mm-hmm. And so if you are weary this season, in the same way that the Israelites were weary during their exile and walking around and journeying to the promised land, so too does God encourage you with his word from Genesis to Revelation, the same way that Moses told his people, I'm going to encourage you with the narrative of God. Right. And the very first thing you seek after the fall is a promise of redemption. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll touch on briefly, I don't want this to get too theological, but the question goes like, why does Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Why does Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Why is that so important? I'll give you the easy answer, Romans chapter 5. Through one man, sin entered the world. And through one man, righteousness enters the world. Mm -hmm. Sin, through Adam, was given to us. Now, there's many different ideas of how this happens. But what we know is that every person is born guilty of sin. And therefore, under the punishment of God, to be separated from him of all eternity because we sinned against God. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner by birth. That was what Adam gave to all of humanity. And so in the same way, Jesus brings righteousness and life to all who believe in him with, without us having to do anything. But here's the thing. The reason Jesus had to be born of a virgin is because if he was born the same way that we were born, he would be tainted yep. with the guilt of Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, me and our, my girls like have talked through this and, and the way I was about to explain this, I, I'm probably not going to explain it on this podcast anymore. And after thinking through that for a few seconds, but yeah, thinking through man's curse, if, if Jesus was not born by a man, well, it, are you talking it, about sorry. Augustine's view? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll, yeah, I think we can talk about that. One of the views of the early church fathers is that sin was passed down through the semen of man. Yes, that's what. And, and that, that's <laughs> just what it that's is. Weird. And so you have similarly the physical. Yeah, and so you have the physical aspect of it that way. But then you have other church fathers and theologians who believe it's not just the physical, but it's actually the spiritual passing down right. through the co-creation between man and woman. I think it's easy easy for me to think through it, it physically, you know, if it were to be passed down similarly, you can see like the, that not being passed down yeah. to Jesus in the same way. And so um, that he was not born into this curse in the same way that we were born under it because we were not, we right. were born of man, we he born was not man. born of man. And so hopefully that kind of helps you understand because for the longest time, I, I'd never been taught that. Yeah, you're like, okay, he's born of a virgin. Why? Right. So what? And you're like, cool. Like, great. Like, sucks for Mary. She had to like walk, you know. But it's like, actually like no one, super important. It's super important. And, and I didn't know that, honestly, until maybe like two years ago. I was doing my own studying through Genesis and through Romans. And I in exactly the verse you're talking about, um, through one man condemnation comes, that one man being Adam. And then 
through the second Adam, if you will, Jesus comes redemption. And, um, and so I was reading through that and I'm like, why did, you know, like, why would Jesus be referred to, you know, as a second Adam per se and, and doing my own research and figuring that out. And I remember being mind blown that that was like the reason that Jesus was born of a a virgin, a virgin. And so it's important that we know those things and we we don't just look at this holiday season and we're like, Ooh, cool. Like he was born of a virgin and that has no significance. Like everything has significance and it's important that we understand, um, why it happened the way that it happened. Right. Because it has to line up biblically. Right. Like, and if it doesn't, then Jesus wasn't who he said he was. And so Jesus came and he fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament that were foretold about him. Yes. And so, it's important that we think through why did these things matter? Because I think for a lot of us, especially me growing up, that's just what I heard. So that was good enough. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. Like that's Check part of like, and you see the nativity scene where, where Mary and she's there kneeling and she's yeah. right beside the manger. And we just think, wow, what a beautiful picture. But like for Mary, that had to have been so hard. It's like, how do you explain to somebody? Well, and you think about it back then she was probably 13 or 14 years right. old. She's young. She's young. And probably she doesn't have probably a ton of like credit so, I mean, b- going behind her to support to, at to that su- point. Right. You're like nobody in the Like we think it's <laughs> such this common thing that, Oh yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. Can you imagine being betrothed to your future husband whom you don't really know that well? Cause probably an arranged marriage and you go, Hey man, by the way, I'm a virgin, but I I'm pregnant. Yeah. You're, it's like you, you've yeah, lost right. the whole town. Yeah. They're like, okay, <laughs> they're, bud, good they're job. They're all against you. Now, I think there's so many places we could go with the Christmas story. There's so many characters, so many narratives. And one of those is Mary. What I would encourage you to do, tradition that I had when I was preaching Christmas Eve services when I was a pastor in southern Louisiana, is every Christmas Eve, we would look at the Christmas story, but we would look at it from a different character's point of view. So... You can look at it from Elizabeth and John the Baptist. You can look at it from Simeon. You can look at it from Mary, from Joseph, from Jesus, from the shepherds, from the wise men, from Mm -hmm. Herod. There are so many different pieces of the nativity story that you can really begin to look at it from a multi-perspective view of all these different characters. So, for instance, when you look at the the nativity and you usually see, see the shepherd there, you can ask yourself... Am I obedient of coming to Christ every single day as the Mm -hmm. shepherds were obedient to follow the call of the angel to come to Christ on that night, right? As a wise man, you look at them and you can say, am I faithful to bring God the very best giftings I have and sacrifice them unto him and give it to him to do whatever he pleases with as the wise men were? And then you can look at Jesus. And one of the things I know we wanted to talk about is Jesus was born in the manger, He wasn't born in the inn. He was born in the manger. And how do we apply that? Well, I think if you look at the modern scope of evangelical Christianity in America, if we were honest, we would be a lot more comfortable with a Savior who was born in the inn than we would with a Savior who was born in a manger. We're much more comfortable going to restaurants with people who are at the inn, not in the manger. We We are most comfortable going to church at a big church that resembles an inn more than it does a manger. We are much more prone to be comfortable instead of joining in, as Paul says, with the sufferings of Christ like Jesus did in the manger. Jesus came and said, I am for the least of these. I am for those who are oppressed and marginalized, and I even came in the way that they came, and I will continue to work for them. And so I, I wonder, are you more prone 
to seek the inn than you are to seek the manger. If you were the wise men and you were coming into town and your Messiah was being born, where would you have checked first? Is it the manger or is it the inn? And where is our heart? Is it for comfort or is it for following after the call of God like the wise men and the shepherds had to do? All right. Six things that we want you to remember as we wrap up this podcast. Six things. We're not going to take too long on them, but here are six things we want you to remember as you enter into Christmas this holiday season. If you're listening to this in the future, six things that the incarnation and the narrative of Jesus being born reminds us about. Number one is this. Remember that Christ was born and that he fulfilled all the promises of God that were foretold about him. Mm-hmm. Christ was born. That's a big deal. And we're not going to spend too much time on it. But when you really think about it, the God of all creation who placed the stars in the sky, who created the world, who watches over the deer, who feeds the birds, who is over all the universe for all time, chose to become man so that he could save us. Christ was born. Number two is that we need to remember that even though Christ was born, he still had a future. Yeah. And part of that future, number one, was the crucifixion and the resurrection But as we look in this Advent season, Mary, as you said earlier, the Advent is to look forward to the coming of Jesus in the incarnation. Mm -hmm. Then it was to look forward to him being crucified and resurrected. But now this season should remind us that as he came once, he will come again. Right. Yeah. And that leads us to think next of God's generosity. And how are we reflecting that as believers, as those who have experienced the generosity of God? not just through this Christmas season, but completely how our life has radically changed since knowing God and knowing his goodness and knowing the generosity he has bestowed on us. And how are we reflecting that during this season? And how are we bringing others into that? Yeah. And I would think, how can you do it in a very personal way? Right. God saved you in a very personal way. Mm -hmm. God came to earth in a very personal way. It's really easy to just donate, to throw money, or to just send prayers. But how can you really go serve somebody who's in need and look at them in the eyes and tell them about the hope of Jesus Christ? Because that's what Jesus did for you. And this feels like a cliche thing, but it's something I think I should take more seriously. Probably a lot of us as Christians is like encouraging you to invite people to church with you. Like this is one of the easiest seasons for you to invite somebody to church. Cooper said it earlier. Like this is the most inviting time of the year, but it's also the easiest in terms of getting people in conversations about Jesus. And so that feels like a very like, oh yeah, just invite them to church, but be personable enough to say, I want you to come to church with me and this is why. And in the days leading up to Christmas, not just on Christmas morning, and then pursuing those same relationships after Christmas and not just saying, okay, great, they came one Sunday, Hopefully that was revolutionary for them and they'll just come back. If we're going to do personal ministry, it's messy, it's hard, and it takes investment and time. And so continue to invest in these relationships, continue to invite them to church, and don't just be satisfied with the the showing of just one Sunday and that Sunday being Christmas service. Well, and in that, 
Could you pause this podcast or at the end of the podcast, sit down and on your notes app on your phone, write out five names of people who you know need to be invited to church from your work, from your team, from your friend group, from your family. And then just ask God, would you give me the opportunity Mm. to invite them to church? And then if you need some practice, sit down just like you practice anything else and write some questions out that you would ask them or write down how you would invite them. I think that would go a long way. Mm -hmm. The next one is this. Remember to slow down. It's really easy to get caught up in this huge Christmas vehicle that we've created in America, that there's all these things that we have to check off our list, all these gifts that we have to buy for all these different people, all the parties that we have to go to. We got to go to a Christmas party. We got to go to a friend's party. We got to go to a family event. We got to go to a work party. We got to go to this, this, this. Oh, we got to get in the car and go here. We need to get this scheduled. We need to have Mm -hmm. this. And all of a sudden it's December 26th and you haven't even slowed down to look around and you're missing the time with your family. You're missing the time with your friends and you're not enjoying the season that God has so graciously given us. Right. And through that, we can enjoy our family and traditions, right? Like we, we, if we take the time to slow down, these are the things that we get to enjoy, that we get to cherish, that we get to remember. And, and so I would encourage you, I I encourage myself in this is to, to slow down so that we can enjoy these family times that we can create traditions. Like you said, Cooper, you're in a different life season um, than maybe most people that are listening to this or um, especially our college students, but with having your own child and talking through like the traditions you're now getting to create with your family. um, There are different things that you can create right now with your own family, with your own friends and, and enjoying these, these times and, being able to slow down. The other thing is, is that your season of life will probably never look the same. Right. So enjoy it. Enjoy it now in this season. Right. Like you'll never be where you are again. Enjoy it this year. Right. For what it is. Yeah. Finally, the last reminder that we have for you is remember to welcome worship during this season. We can get caught up in consumerism I remember when I was like 10 years old, I was so mad at my mom because she got me a video (laughs) camera and not Harlem Globetrotter tickets, right? Like I was like, you mean, I was like, no, I don't like this. Take it back. And I look back and I I feel very bad, (laughs) right? But I was young, so nothing I can do about it, (laughs) but slow down and welcome worship. Most of the Christmas songs that we sing, a lot of the hymns, they were written for the purpose of being sung in worship. And so when you're singing them in your car, worship, be intentional about it posture your heart in such a way that you're worshiping God, even though you're buying presents for others. Ask yourself, how can I serve God during this season? Mm -hmm. And then I would encourage you, read the Christmas story. Yeah. With your family, just sit down and read the Christmas story. It takes like five, 10 minutes and then talk about it. I would encourage, I know most people don't like the message version, but it's a really readable version of the Christmas story and you can read it. I know Mary's not a big fan of the message version, <laughs> but I think if you got a lot of small ears listening, it's a great way to keep them engaged instead of the sometimes biblical text can be very chunky and blocky. It makes it really smooth into a narrative, but just whatever version, yeah. read it. And then Sounds maybe good. sit with your family and be like, hey, I want to sing some Christmas carols and just turn it into a little small worship night with your family. And we did that at my home one mm-hmm. one Christmas. We had my aunt and my uncle, he's a youth pastor in, in Mississippi, and they all came in and we just had a pretty much a Christmas Eve worship session. And it yeah. was just, it was beautiful. Yeah, I think for a lot of people too, it's the idea that worship only happens when you're singing. And, and you can worship the Lord in a lot of different ways. And, 
especially during this time, right? Like you said it earlier is like giving gifts. Like the Lord is generous. We just talked about that. The Lord gives good things. He gives good gifts. Like the Lord's intentional. How can you intentionally give a good gift? Yeah. And that can be a worshipful thing. It doesn't have to be this stressed out, like, oh, I've got to run and do this and I've got to go buy this. And I'm running out of time for this. Like my dad called me this morning and he was like, are you ready for Christmas? And I was like, no, I'm not. I have a million more things to go and buy. And then it was very quickly, like the Lord was like, but how can you worship me in this? Like this doesn't have to be a stressful and chaotic moment in your life. This can be like, you're getting to give gifts to people. You're getting to show generosity to people continue to reflect me and this will be a worshipful time for you. And so worship the Lord in, in buying your gifts, worship the Lord in making a meal for your family, worship the Lord. And like you said, having a family worship, something I admire about some of our friends that they do, um, is that they have family worship every single night. Like this isn't like a once a year type of thing. They do it every night where they read scripture together. They sing songs together and it's a, it's a natural rhythm to their night. And um, there are natural rhythms, even in our marriage, that we hope to instill into our kids one day as well. And, like, that's our family worship. Well, and it's like people say, I'll start that in January. Well, why not start now? Start right <laughs> yeah. now. Start right after you hear this podcast, whatever right. God's laid on your heart, and just and we'll go do it. we'll be talking about the New Year's and yeah, all of that out. in the next podcast. So stay tuned. But. Hey, just remember, when you sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, how dare you, how dare they accuse you of not knowing who Rudolph is after you've just named the eight lesser-known reindeer? Just remember that. What? You know Dasher and Dancer, Prancer, (laughs) Vixen, Donner and Cupid, and Donner and Blitzen. And then they have the gall to ask, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Like, of course. I just named the eight. I don't know if I said Donner twice. Play it back. I don't know. I know their names. I don't know their names. Oh, I oh okay. Well, then they... That should have been a trivia question. Anyway. <laughs> hey, as you go out into this holiday season, we pray that it's a blessing. We pray that it's rejuvenating for you. We pray that you can focus yourself on God this season. And I know it's cliche, but remember the reason for the season. Christ came, and he's going to come again. And allow that to navigate you through this period of life. And if this season is lonely hard for you and you are weary remember to come to jesus for he cares for your soul unlike any other yep have a good week merry christmas merry christmas